Hey guys, um, initially I thought that I'd live stream from New York, but the church that I'm speaking at, at uh, in New York uh, is around the same time that the Acts 29 service is at, given the three hour time difference, so I thought I'd record it instead. So I want to continue from where we left off uh, last week. We were talking about threshold faith and then we kind of ended on this idea of um, uh, how our expectations are hamstrung when um, I have an impoverished spirit within me. That the largeness of my expectation, uh, the ability to step into thresholds is hamstrung when I cultivate an impoverished spirit. Another word for an impoverished spirit is a poverty mindset, where an impoverished spirit or a poverty mindset um, limits my expectations, limits the risks I'll take, limits the thresholds I'll be willing to cross. Uh, it basically hamstrings me from uh, scaling upward in the adventures of God um, and we are all born with an impoverished uh, or poverty-minded spirit and we are born with that mindset and so a poverty mindset is more than a lack of money uh, because people with wealth can have a spirit of poverty people with wealth can have a spirit of poverty and I would say that those of us at Acts 29 have wealth compared to 80% of the earth or maybe 85% of the earth. By most standards, we are wealthy, but it doesn't mean that we are free from the spirit of poverty. And the spirit behind this is that of fear and the culture is that of an orphan. So what lies behind a poverty mindset? It is the spirit of fear and the culture of an orphan. And you have it, and I have it. As I go over these points, I realize that I struggle with every point to some degree. An orphan is basically someone who struggles to recognize and struggles to abandon himself to the nature of the father, to the love of the father and to the inheritance that he has or she has in the father. You struggle with it. You can't compute. You can't comprehend it. It doesn't seem practical, real or sometimes experiential. And so you struggle to abandon yourself to the love and the nature and the inheritance that you have in the Father. And for an orphan then to move into servanthood becomes almost impossible because when you tell an orphan that he needs to be a servant, he is threatened and he is vulnerable. And you'll see that amongst us. Some of us struggle to serve. Some of us struggle to be servants. An orphan will always struggle to be a servant. Yeah. The culture of an orphan is a culture that is afraid, a culture that remembers lack from the past and can't bear the thought of it happening again in the future. The culture of an orphan is one that tries to secure tomorrow, tries to control tomorrow. The culture of an orphan is that which covets what his other brothers and sisters and friends have. A culture of an orphan is one that is careful with generosity and careful with faith. And we have many reasons. One is the very fallenness of the world. Sometimes it's cultural. Some cultures are more steeped in this than others. Sometimes it's the family upbringing or the conditions that I grew up in, the environment. 
Sometimes it's generational. Sometimes it's the emotions and the experiences that we have been through. <clears throat> and so unless I change my day-to-day -day mindset from a mentality that is impoverished to one that is steeped in the sufficiency of a good father and a benevolent master, it'll be very hard for me to scale spiritually in terms of expectations, in terms of adventures, in terms of fears, generosity, in terms of risk-taking with mammon as my slave. Let me say that again. This was one of the points I made last Sunday that uh, first the physical, then the spiritual. If I'm not able to scale in the physical as God um, provides out of his sufficiency and makes me sufficient in him, if I'm not able to scale physically, I usually am not able to scale spiritually either in the things of God. Why? Because I might have a vision from God, but vision is shackled because of my relationship with provision. Vision is shackled because of my relationship with provision. And my relationship with provision is determined by my relationship with the Father as a provider. This is why, unless I change my day-to-day -day mindset from one that has an impoverished mentality to one that is steeped in the sufficiency of a good father and a benevolent master, I have to be steeped in the sufficiency, not of my bank account, but of a good father and a benevolent master, Unless I am that way, it's very hard to scale spiritually in terms of expectations, in terms of um, adventures in God, in terms of fears, generosity, in terms of faith steps that are not presumption, and in terms of risk taking with mammon that should be treated as a slave and not master. Strangely enough, we are called to a poverty of spirit, as in spiritual poverty is uh, something that Christians must cultivate, a poverty of spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. A poverty of spirit is a Christian quality. It describes a stance of utter dependence, utter bankruptcy and dependence on God. And poverty of spirit is an emptying of self so that God can keep filling. An emptying of self, not just self as in my ego or my id, but emptying of self as in every area of my life. You see that in Philippians 2 verse 6 to 9. But the thing is, the poverty of spirit is different from a spirit of poverty. The poverty of spirit is different from the spirit of poverty. One helps us view things as Christ viewed them. And uh, it's so aptly described in Philippians 2, 6-9, where being glorious and being equal with God, he empties himself and takes on the role of a bond slave. The other are lenses that I view the world through. A poverty spirit is the glasses or the lenses through which I view the world. And the lens of a poverty spirit distorts and colors what you are seeing till you begin to look at life through lack, through decrease, through limitation, and through careful unbelief. That's an Oswald Chambers phrase, careful unbelief. So when I wear the lenses of a poverty spirit, it distorts and colors what I see. And I begin to look at life through lack, through decrease, through uncertainty, through limitations. That's how I look at life. And all of us suffer from it. We, we disguise it under terms like stewardship and being careful and have to think about tomorrow and got to be responsible. And all those words are 
valid, they're legitimate. But sometimes the underlying reasons are suspect. So as I'm saying these things and I'm reading out what a poverty mindset looks like, don't resist it, don't fight it, don't argue against it, hear it, and then balance it out. Because for every statement I make, you can say, I'm not like that. Uh, that's not fair. We've got to be careful about tomorrow. No, I've got to think about my children. No, no uh, I've got to save up for tomorrow. I'm, uh, don't come up with those defenses. Those are, those are strengths you already have. Let's look at the weaknesses that we have so that we can correct them. Because it's a mindset. Money affects the mind. And please don't think you're free of it. You are not. I wish I could say I was. I'm not. My thinking when my guard is down, as in when I'm not praying, when I'm not worshipping, when I'm doing life, uh, pulling out my wallet. Uh, my thinking when my guard is down is like a fingerprint that can help identify a, a poverty mindset in my life. What or how am I thinking in moments when my guard is down? So many statements I've made today could be taken as a topic in itself and expanded on. This one really gets me. My vision is often shackled because of my relationship with provision. And my relationship with provision is determined by my confidence and relationship with the provider. And that if I'm not steeped in the sufficiency of a good father and a benevolent master, it is very hard to scale spiritually in terms of expectations, in terms of, of adventures with God, in terms of fears, generosity, and in terms of taking risks with mammon. So here are some statements on a poverty mindset that may uncover the attitudes of heart and mind in our lives. First, a poverty mindset derives value in quantity. A poverty mindset derives value in quantity. It wants to extract as much as possible, wants bang for the buck wants to suck out the marrow, not one bit left. It dislikes finding out after you bought something or after you've gotten something that someone else got a little more. Finds it very hard to live with that. Regrets what you have purchased, bought, received. Israel was like this. Israel was a prime example of a poverty mindset nation. Here was God saying, I'll provide for you every day and then don't go out on Saturdays to provide twice as much. But now they wouldn't listen to that. They wanted they wanted to go out and collect more in Exodus 16, 27. They would go out and they would heap their baskets full. Because there was there was this desire to hoard for tomorrow get as much as possible yet that principle that God established still stands forever he who collected much didn't have too much he who collected little didn't have too little an all-sufficient God is a is an aspect of God that we haven't grasped Poverty mindset is not selective. It's not selective. It doesn't look for God's best. It just is indiscriminate in its approach to 
life. It is not selective. It is often the deal or the bargain that drives the mindset. These are things that sometimes uncover the condition of a heart. Stewardship is such a cool word because you can put everything under the word stewardship and pretend it's highly responsible, but it sometimes disguises the subtleties of the heart. A poverty mindset goes for outer show sometimes. It differs from pe person to person. Poverty mindset goes for an for outer show. It it is leaves without fruit. It is ostentatious on the outside, but quite bankrupt, hollow, lacking inside. It has all the flash and dash on the outside, but inside the reality is debts and lack and fear. But because a poverty mindset calibrates itself to the world's measure of success, as long as it can put up a show on the outside, it feels quite happy. It almost invites Jesus's rebuke from Revelation 3.17, where it says, you say you're rich, but you're poor and naked. Poverty mindset looks for the seven essentials that were guaranteed in the Garden of Eden outside of God. It looks for dignity, it looks for purpose, it looks for worth, it looks for provision, it looks for security, companionship, it looks for it outside of God. Because again, it's calibrated to the world. Here's another one. A poverty mindset finds it difficult to receive what is not earned or deserved. You find it difficult to receive anything for free. You feel like you have to earn it or deserve it. If anyone shows you kindness and gives you something, um, you find it very difficult to receive it. You almost feel like you have to earn it or deserve it. And when you receive something free from someone who's being generous, you try to repay that. You pay off and owe because you don't want to owe. It's such an orphan mentality. Guarding, fighting, deserving. A poverty mindset second guesses on giving Second guess is if I'm giving too much, if perhaps I should give a little less, perhaps the person doesn't deserve what I'm giving. So it either guesses on giving, it's always second guessing on should I give this much? And then it also gives based on whether the person deserves it or not. A poverty mindset is the older brother who does not understand that the farm is his as a son. A poverty mindset is the mindset of the older brother who does not understand that the farm is actually his as a son, but he's not able to see it. Maybe you need to talk about what it is to be an orphan as a believer. Because many of us have been adopted and embraced by the father just like he's him he, just like his own son but we've so gotten used to being orphans that's a it's a mind shift man and what i'm trying to do by calling out these different mindsets is just to expose the fact that this is what an impoverished spirit looks like and an impoverished spirit will not attempt thresholds, will not have large expectations. 
because how I am in the physical often translates into the spiritual. How I behave in the physical. A poverty mindset will save out of fear of tomorrow. A poverty mindset saves. The Bible says save for your children. The Bible says save so that in winter when it is difficult to work, you have grain in your storehouse. The Bible says save for those reasons, but the Bible doesn't say save out of fear. But a poverty mindset saves today out of fear that tomorrow things may go wrong and uh, God may not be there to bail you or to help you or to provide for you. I know I've said this many times, but we actually think God is active in our lives till 65, but thereafter he is less involved and he helps us during the first 65 years to get ready for the years past 65. Such a strong mindset. Eh? It's like we are embedded in it. We work our entire lives to support ourselves when we get old. Something about it that is so untrusting. You have valid questions when you say, so Jacob, what do you mean? Do you mean that we don't prepare for old age? Obviously not, as in, I don't know. We'll have to talk about that. I have answers, but uh, it would go off topic. So we'll have to talk about that another time. A poverty mindset hoards to give another day. A poverty mindset hoards or collects today to give another day instead of giving today. And so it does not create room for increase. There's always this mentality of, yeah, yeah, I'll, I, I, I'll collect it today, I'll save it today because maybe tomorrow I'll give. But today let me collect. Or let me collect for two days and then on the third day I'll give. It hoards today. Uh, living out this fantasy that on the third day I'll give, but not today and tomorrow. So many times Israel would hoard and God would have to say to them, like he does in Isaiah 39, 6 to 8, that, hey, all that you've collected will be gone tomorrow. Like the man who built a barn and stored things and didn't enjoy it because he died that day. A poverty mindset will not enjoy a gift fully. You receive a gift from God, you receive a gift from people, you receive something special from someone, you receive someone who knows that you were longing for something and they give it to you and you will keep it away so it can be used tomorrow. You will not use what is given to you today. Sometimes as parents we do that with our kids. Give the child a video game that came out yesterday and it'll only be used two years from now because you have to first finish using what was given to you two years ago till it no longer works. And we as parents think that is being responsible. It actually is cultivating the same mentality in our children who will do it to their children too. I could get nitpicky and go into actual incidents, but I don't think I want to do that because it embarrasses people. I've done that before because it just touches things in our lives that are so sad. Plastic bags. Let me give you an incident from my life. I was appalled when I moved 
house some years ago but I found I actually counted I found that I had saved up 84 plastic bags 84 for what it betrays an attitude guys First the physical, then the spiritual. What if our lives were free flow lives where things came and things went, things came and things went? What if God had that freedom with my life? Ah, he doesn't. I want him to. Poverty mindset lives in the past or lives in the future. Either things of the past and says, I better be careful today. Remember what happened in the past or things of the future. I want to do that one day. So let's just deny ourselves continuously for tomorrow and then tomorrow and then tomorrow. So Jacob, are you saying today just eat, live and be merry? No. I'm saying it's an attitude. Please hear me correctly. Try, try to drop your arguments against what I'm saying and think of it in terms of what Jesus said. Enough is the evil for today. Do you want to hear that? Do you want to hear some really irresponsible um, financial advice? find it do not store up uh, let's try the message don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse stolen by burglars stockpile treasures in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars it's obvious isn't it the place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be and end up being you can't worship two gods at once loving one god will end up you'll end up hating the other adoration of one feeds contempt for the other you can't worship god and money if you decide for god Living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more than those birds. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never ever seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax and not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you both know God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. A poverty mindset will not let go of what is in your hand. Doesn't matter whether it's a small jar of oil, doesn't matter whether it's two loaves and five fish, doesn't matter whether it's a staff. A poverty mindset will not let go 
of what is in your hand till you have something quantitatively, quantitatively better, you will not let go. It's always an exchange. It's always transactional. A poverty mindset is always transactional. Oh, giving is so not transactional. Giving is relational. Relational. R-E-L-A-Y. Relational. And so faith is not compatible with a poverty mindset. With this mindset, you either walk in careful unbelief or you walk in presumption. You see that with Israel in Deuteronomy 132, they were not willing to believe and step out. In Deuteronomy 143, they were presumptuous and began to step out. It's one or the other. So what is the solution to this mindset? One, to recognize that we are unfortunately so impoverished sometimes in our thinking. And if you're not able to see that, if you're not able to face up to that, you don't even get to start. You continue with the mindset that you have. It has been built over years, brick by brick. And what the Holy Spirit is trying to do is demolish it brick by brick. So it may not happen overnight because it's a thought process, right? And so thoughts have to be, a way of thinking has to be deconstructed. But he'll help you and he'll do it really fast if I'm willing. And if I surrender, I have to surrender something that was part of the curse right off in Genesis 3. You shall work and toil by the sweat of your brow these are things that we think we have earned and therefore have a right over it's very hard to break but it is a spirit it is a spirit of poverty and i break it over this church and over my life and over your life i break it in the name of jesus christ so that we can scale spiritually having overcome things in the physical because if you and i cannot deal with something as trivial as mammon how can we deal with things that are of much greater significance jesus said that so first thing is to recognize it then i'll just call out a few things that we can discuss in the future most of these statements you've heard before and as I begin to call these out you might be tempted to think oh, isn't this like a prosperity gospel uh, solution no it's not it's just a change of mentality we're not talking about money in our banks we're talking about money flowing out of our hands we're not talking about let us be blessed so that we can be a blessing. We're talking about let blessings flow through us. Whether it be a small amount or a large amount, whether I be at the top of the ladder or at the bottom of the ladder, let blessings flow. The prosperity gospel is the result of a, of a poverty spirit. The prosperity gospel is the result of a poverty spirit. That if you do this for God, if you give, if you um, um, send so much money to this particular preacher or this particular ministry, then yeah. God will bless you so that you can be a blessing. It is so transactional, so cheap, so devoid of the giving nature of God, so so getting-ish, so outward trapping, so unsacrificial. 
so self-focused, so unself-emptying that it is the uh, that it is a distorted, perverse theology that has come out of a deep, impoverished spirit of poverty, as in an evil spirit of poverty. So the first thing is to realize these distortions in my life. The second thing is to keep playing with, exploring, digging deep into that simple phrase that I keep using again and again and again, that a son lacks nothing, but a servant owns nothing. A son lacks nothing. And when I say a son lacks nothing, I need to understand that what I have in my hand is not what I have in God. That is how sons lack nothing. A son lacks nothing, not because of what he has in his hand, but because of what he knows he has in the Father. And therefore he knows that as he begins to scale in obedience to what God is calling him in the physical and in the spiritual, that God will have to lead, God will have to invite, God will have to command and God will have to provide God will have to give evidence that this is something he wants and it is not done through prayer or sacrifice or um, anything of that, meaning um, it's, it's not done through trying to get something from God. It is done through obeying God and saying, okay, you want me to step here? I'll step here. Because as a son, I lack nothing, but I also understand, oh God, that it is not what I have in my wallet or my pocket or my bank account, but it is what I have in you. So if you say so, I will do so. If you say so, I will do so. That is critically. But till I change my impoverished mindset, I will not even hear it or if I step out into these things not having changed my mindset i just walk in presumption presumption always ends up with me drowning because i didn't hear the command come and therefore i cannot step out of the boat and walk on water but once i hear the commander once i even see his lips moving saying come i know that i can step out this is so not about you prospering this is so about others prospering because of your obedience or the causes of the kingdom prospering, or the causes of God prospering, or nations opening, or families being built up, or exploits of faith being realized, or visions coming to pass because provision that was shackled, a vision that was shackled because of provision is now running live. As a servant, I own nothing. I've said this to you before. Every couple of months, I have to go to God and say, I, I need to release ownership over the things I have because I seem to think this is mine. I need to release ownership over it. I'm scared that I'm beginning to own it. I'm, I'm seeing this as mine. I'm seeing this as belongs to me and I have a right to decide where it goes, how much goes, when it goes. I want to just shed that. What a, what a, what a belief system and God we serve, eh? What I have in my hand is not what I have in God. I learned that from somebody who lives like that. They're not afraid. I want to be unafraid. They're not afraid. And therefore they take big risks. They really step out. They're not afraid. We talk about being stewards for God and being faithful and responsible stewards to the master. Here's another solution. A steward can be responsible to his master 
only if he's totally dependent on his master. A steward can be responsible to his master only if he's totally dependent on his master. If he's not dependent, totally dependent, utterly dependent on his master, then what the steward has, he will begin to hold back. He will begin to um, put away. He will begin to um, not give because he begins to get afraid that it may all go away. But if he's totally dependent on his master, a steward can be faithful and responsible with what his master gives. And to the degree that he is responsible and faithful, according to that ability, God keeps increasing what is sent to and sent through the steward. Beautifully. Here's another one. Generosity is the key to abounding in all sufficiency, in all things, at all times. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8. Generosity is the key to abounding in all sufficiency, in all things, at all times, for all good works. We are called to do good works so that our light may shine and the Father may be known. Matthew 5. But for good works, we need to abound in all things at all times with all grace, all sufficient, so that we can complete the good works allotted to us each month, each year. And generosity is the key to all sufficiency and all grace in all things at all times in a way that abounds so that we may complete the good works allotted to us every month, every year in one life, in multiple lives, in a community, in a nation, in nations, come church. And finally, one of the secrets or solutions to moving out of a poverty mindset into the mindset of the sun is to empty yourself and making that one of your goals. To empty yourself. The strange thing about emptying yourself is here is a God who continuously flows into empty places. One who does not empty himself does not create room for more but instead ends up with a stagnant pool of the same. Emptying yourself. How do you empty yourself? You empty yourself by not thinking much of yourself even when you have much and not thinking less of yourself even when you have little. Emptying yourself by not thinking much of yourself. Self-forgetfulness. Self-forgetfulness. You're a jolly beggar who is provided for every day so that you have seed for sowing and bread for eating. And as you are responsible and faithful, you have more seed for sowing and more bread for eating so that at your table, many more can sit and eat. You empty yourself by acknowledging the one from whom all good gifts come creator of the universe who gives us the fruit of the wine and the bread and the seed that we need, who provides. It's a blessing that they utter before they participate in meals in the Jewish tradition. And then the other thing uh, that we need to do if we want to empty ourselves is not cling, not cling to the advantages and the privileges 
that are yours from God. Do not cling to the advantages and to the privileges that are yours from God. Either you inherited it or it was given to you or it was just the grace of God or you earned it, but you no longer cling to it. You don't cling to the privileges and advantages of it. Where do we get this from? We get it from Jesus, right? Philippians 2, 6 to 9. So Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for this, your church. Pray for each person. I pray starting with me. That this impoverished mentality of an orphan is an insult to you, O oh God. It doesn't reflect you to the watching world. We're just a little different from the world. And so in Christ's name, as the one that you've appointed to this church, I come against the spirit, this poverty spirit, this poverty mindset, I come against it. And I bring the sledgehammer of the Holy Spirit against this collective mentality in this church and I break it in the name of Jesus Christ and I rebuke the spirit of poverty. It is a wicked, evil spirit. It is a spirit that impoverishes physically, financially, relationally, spiritually. I rebuke the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that we begin to change in our thinking so that we can scale physically. so that we may begin to take greater risks spiritually, knowing that what we have in you is enough. Not what we have in our pockets, but what we have in you. It'll set our minds free to think like this. It has, it'll set our hearts free to be fearless. It'll set our feet walking into places that we wouldn't dare before. Not in presumption, but because you're inviting us saying, come. But you never invite us to sacrifice Isaac in one shot, do you, O oh God? You take us through a process, degrees of separation from our land, from Lot, from Hagar, from Ishmael, and then Isaac. Would you begin that process with us, O oh God, as a church? In Jesus' name. Hey, um, what I mean by scaling physically, it sounds too abstract. What I mean by that is, if God wants me to um, give someone, ah, perfect example. Remember the story of, uh, remember the story that happened with Jeevan? Um, so he's waiting for someone outside their house to take them to house church. And God says to him, give him the best you have. And Jeevan decides he's gonna take out money, all the money in his wallet and give it to the guy when he comes. That's usually how we think. What I mean by scaling physically is now God says to Jeevan again, give him the best you have. And Jeevan realizes that he's got an iPhone 10. I think it was an iPhone 10. And he says to God, okay, I'll give this iPhone 10. And so that's what I mean by scaling up, where I may begin with giving out of my wallet and then God says, hey, now let me show you another level. And sometimes the way he shows me another level is by asking me to take risks financially and destroy the spirit of poverty that sets my course and makes me stay a certain way forever. You know, when one of the things I, I've noticed in certain countries is people will come into a nation and live there uh, for 20, 30 years and prosper, but they will not move out of the home they started living in, regardless of how difficult and small it is. because 
it, it seems to trap us in a mentality. I'm not saying go and live in a palace. Please don't hear me wrong. What I'm trying to say is there is a way I function based on my environment and my ways of thinking that does not allow me to go further. That prevents my ears from even hearing if God is calling. Remember, the flip side of this is emptying oneself, being bankrupt and utterly dependent on God. It's not a contradiction, it's held in tension. And so then God says to Jeevan, give him the best you have. And that's when Jeevan realizes that he's sitting in a car and God is saying, give your car away. And he calls up his mom and dad. And they're not super wealthy. You've heard Jeevan's mom and dad's story. And his mom says to Jeevan, if God is asking you to give your car away, don't think about it. Do it immediately because the longer you think, the harder it will be. And Jeevan gives his car away. I heard that story and it deeply affected me because I wasn't sure I would be able to do that. It's not how much I have or the quality of what I have. It is, can I do it with $2? If I can, then I can do it with 202000 and 200000 That's why when I hear guys like Warren Buffett giving away his fortune, one may say, ah, he's rich, he can afford it. Try it with 200 and you'll still find it difficult. So trying it with 2 billion is as difficult. These people in the world are able to do it. Set my heart free, O oh God, that I may begin to walk as a conduit. Chad makes fun of me saying conduit is one of my favorite words, but it is a pipeline. I hope I've explained it to some extent and I hope this teaching has helped. I don't know how long it is, but uh, feels long, but perhaps it is. Enjoy the rest of the service, guys. I'll see you when I come back on the 16th. Yeah, God bless. Bye.